Go to Romans 12, if you would, please. We've been for the past few uh, Sundays on this series we're calling The Perfect Will of God. The Perfect Will of God. In Romans 12 and 1, Romans 12, 1, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's by his mercy that we even have the opportunity to do this. And it's by his mercies that we have the ability to do it. By his grace and mercy. Verse 2. And be not conformed. To this world. There is a real danger. Of us being. He's writing to believers. To the saints at Rome. There's a real danger. Of us being conformed to the world. We want to ask ourselves regularly, anything we're watching, anything we're listening to, anything we're reading, anything we're around, where is God in this? Because another word for worldly is ungodly. Now people use that term as a, as a throw around term, but what does ungodly mean? Well, they used to advertise 7-Up as the Uncola. <laughs> Why is 7-Up the Uncola? Has no cola in it. Well, why is the world ungodly? They have left out God. They have eliminated God. And can you see there's been a movement on, and it's always been on, no, you can't have God in that. No, you got to take God out. We can't talk about God. We can't refer to God. We can't have God. Don't be coming in here bringing your God stuff in here. Well, I don't leave home without him. He and I are one. We're intertwined. You don't get me without him. Now, that doesn't mean we got to try to preach to everybody and shove things down their throat. I'm not saying that, but don't tell me to leave my God at home. That doesn't happen. Can't happen. And so there is a real danger of being conformed to the world. It's all around us. The spirit of defiance and rebellion against God and disobedience permeates the very air of the planet. I mean it's it's everywhere. So how can we prevent just getting conformed and, and pressed into the same mold as everything around us? Well he tells us. Be not conformed to this world, verse two. But what? But instead of that, here's what you do. Here's what you do to keep that from happening. Be ye transformed. By the renewing of your mind to the end that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The, the ungodly world doesn't know what the will of God is and doesn't want to know. Actually, when it hears it, rejects it, defies it. 
But a real child of God wants to know. Wants to know the will of God. Wants to do the will of God. Are you a real child of God? You being in church kind of indicates that. (laughs) Said out loud, I desire desire to know the will of God. And I desire desire to do the will of God. Hallelujah. Pray this prayer. This is a scripture prayer from the epistle. Said out loud, O Lord, work in me to will and to do of all your good pleasure. Hallelujah. Work in me. What does that mean? Not only working in you to help you to do the will of God, working in you to will to do it. So even if part of you doesn't want to do the will of God, you can be willing to get willing. And you can ask him, Lord, help me with that. I want to please you. Even if your flesh says, I don't want to do that, or I want to do the thing that displeases God, because your flesh hadn't been born again yet. Your flesh is exactly like Joe Sinner's flesh that's not born again. It was the man on the inside that became a new creation, not the outer man. The outer man will still do anything you let it do. Did did I lose somebody? You can't trust this flesh any further than you can throw it. No, no, no. The man on the inside got born again. And so you have this flesh thing pulling against you doing the will of God. Your flesh wants to be lazy. It doesn't want to be diligent. And it doesn't want to walk by faith. And it certainly doesn't want to make any sacrifices. And the list goes on. But the inner man, if you tune that all this stuff out and you pay attention to your heart, If you've really been born again, you love God and you want to do his will. Somebody say, I want to do the will of God. I desire the will of God. And with his help, I will do his will. I delight to do your will, oh God. So he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind, how's that going to happen? Well, what does the mind do? The mind has thoughts. You think with your mind. And the thoughts of God are in the words of God. Words are thought containers. Well, how will I renew my mind? Renewing it means your thinking is changed. You replace your thinking with his thinking, your thoughts with his thoughts, your plans with his plans, your will with his will. Come on, can you see that? And that results in a renewing or a metamorphosis, a major change, not just a little change, major change in our life. Somebody say transform, transform. transform. That you'll be, you will be transformed. Not just your mind will be transformed. You will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the result of the mind being renewed is what? You and I knowing the will of God. We know what is the good will of God, the acceptable will of God, the perfect will of God. That reveals your mind's being renewed. Why? 
you are, fi- you are finding out how God thinks, what he has said, what he wants, what he likes, what he doesn't like, what he loves, what he hates, what his will is, what his plan is, what it's not. That's the transformation. Now with that in mind, go with me to Ephesians, please. Ephesians 5, and then also we're going to be going to Colossians 1. Ephesians 5, verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil, then he brings it up again, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, this is great revelation here, like all the Word of God. You cannot separate the will of God from the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is the will of God. It's in there, in the wisdom of God. And um, he said, not knowing the will of God, not doing the will of God in your life, your, our short life down here, is being a fool. That's being a fool. And notice he mentioned right in the middle of it, redeeming the time. Well, see, if you live and die, you never sought the will of God. You never found his will. You never did his will. You wasted your years. And if you didn't receive Jesus and died lost, you wasted your most valuable, precious opportunity and existence. If that's not a fool, what is? But a wise man, a wise woman, Gets a clue early on that if I'm going to make the best use of these few years that I've got before I'm out of here, the only way I can make the best use of this time is I got to do it God's way, God's plan. He's got a plan. Oh, somebody say he's got a plan. He's got a plan for me. Come on, say it out loud. God has a specific plan for me. For me. And it is not for us to change our major 12 times, change our profession nine times, change our marriage partner nine times. That's somebody missing God. That's somebody not doing the will of God. Just trying stuff, not asking God, and then realizing, oh, that, that didn't work. Oh, ooh, that didn't work. Oh, I'll try this. How about asking God and then doing that, regardless of what you think? Well, that requires submission to his lordship and trust. Trust in his love, trust in his wisdom. How many believe God is smarter than you? I want to hear you say it. I, I, want, I want to hear you say it. Say, God, God is, smarter than me. is smarter than me. Way smarter. Way smarter. 
then we should act like it. I said we should act like it. Then when he tells us something, we shouldn't go, yeah, but I just, I just don't know if that's what I want to do. You're acting like you're smarter than him. I delight, somebody say, I delight, I delight. to do thy will, O God. I, I saw this some years ago, early in ministry, seeking the Lord about direction and his plans and those kind of things. There was a couple of things where the Lord let me do what I wanted to do. And I did not enjoy it. <laughs> do you know the Lord will let you do what you want to do? He will not make you do his plan and will. You know, Israel wanted a king. You remember that? And God told him through Samuel it was, that wasn't his plan. That, and so once they went with a, uh, a monarchy, they were never again in the perfect will of God structurally, governmentally. And yet he helped them as much as he could. But uh, finally, they kept clamoring, we want a king. We want to be like other nations. They got the king, he leads them, you know, and, I, and we want to be like that. And that wasn't God's will for them to be like other lands. But eventually, what did he say? Okay, you want a king? Even told them, you know, which one to get. What is that? That is not the perfect will of God. That's allowing you. Now, that, there was some divine involvement in it. Come on, can you see that? Showed him who to pick. And Saul, and of course, he messed up and was replaced with David. And, and then we got, have you read the Kings and the Chronicles? And Oh, buddy, I mean, whoo, whoo. <laughs> Bruh, you talk about a roller coaster. Why? It was not the perfect will of God. But he let them do what they wanted to do. He let them do it their way. And it cost them. Then the first thing he told them uh, through Samuel, he said, he said, let me tell you how much taxes this going to cost you. <laughs> and they still said, yeah, but we want it. He said, fine. Pay all the taxes. And they did. So, <laughs> somebody's scratching their head on that. <laughs> Read your Bible. There's some good stuff in there, man. There's some good stuff in there. Great stories, and they're all true, and they're real. But uh, just because the Lord lets you do something, that doesn't mean he was pleased with it, or it's going to have his full blessing on it. And so there were some things I kept asking, the Lord, I want to do this. Well, Lord, I want to do this. And finally, you know, it's like he said, okay, do it, you know, and I did it. And after a couple of times of that, I came to him and I said, Lord, I don't want you to let me do stuff. I don't want you to let me. I want to know what you want me to do. Come on, can you see this? And I realized it's an act of my will. Did you hear the word will? We're talking about the perfect will of God. Well, the, one of the biggest dangers to the will of God is your will. My will. And that word will can also be translated choice. Choice. And I realize by faith I must choose his will. 
Somebody say, by faith. Now that is irrespective of feelings or desires or needs. And so I, I adopted the phrase, I delight to do your will, O God. That, that's, that was a prophecy concerning Jesus. And that's what he said. And how many remember in the most pressure situation with him in the garden, that's what he prayed. Not, not my will. But your will be done. And to be like the master is to have a completely submitted will to the Father, to God, to him. And so uh, I realized that if I trust him, and I really believe he's smarter than I am, then if he says for me to do something, and my initial thought is, well, no, that's not... Because there were some things that I had thought was our path in ministry, and that's my call, and some of it was. But the other thing, I'd always say, oh, no, that's not my call, like pastoring. (laughs) For 20 years, I said, no, right, Phyllis? Phyllis and I, after, I don't know, what, 15 years in the ministry or 10 years in the ministry, we we were talking one afternoon, and I, I said, you ever thought about pastoring? She said, no. I said, me neither. And that was the whole conversation. It, it was over. Because <laughs> we traveled and we, we enjoyed it and we were graced to do it. And, and I still travel. But uh, when the Lord began to deal with me about that. I had learned by then when he deals with, you know, do this. And my flesh is like, huh? I mean, that's not my, you need to hush. Is he smarter than you or not? Yes, he is. Yeah, but I, yeah, but I always thought. And, and what, what I've found I can say is, even if my flesh is going, uh, you say, uh, right. Yeah, you like it? I like it. And your head and your flesh is going, uh-uh. You say, shut up, shut up. We like it. Lord, if you like it, I like it. You say that by faith, not by feeling, not by emotion. Or if it's something that you really thought, I'm going to do this, I want to do this. This is what you've been trying to make happen for years. And the Lord says, I don't want you to do that. Then you need to go, right. Right. Now that I look at it, I don't even like it. And your flesh says, I always want to. You say, shut up, shut up. No, we don't like it. The Lord don't like it. I don't like it. It's a choice. It's a choice. I delight to do your will. Oh God. So we see here in Ephesians that wisdom is inseparable from his will. To know his will is to have some of his wisdom. His wisdom for your life. His wisdom, and that includes his plan. In Colossians, look there please in the first chapter. Colossians chapter 1. You'll see this continue to come up over and over again. He said, don't be a fool. But understanding what the will of the Lord is. Don't walk like a fool, but walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise. So it is absolutely, I don't care. And and you got to understand, being a fool doesn't mean you're not intelligent. You can be what the world calls a genius and be an absolute fool. And having a brilliant mind doesn't even make you a nice person. 
It certainly doesn't make you a good person. And, and the, the brilliant so-called wisdom of men is absolute foolishness to God. He looks at it and laughs. That they think they are so smart. It's pitiful. But a wise person will acknowledge your creator who gives you your every breath and keeps your feet on the ground with gravity. Your breathing is oxygen. Take another breath and say thank you. Colossians 1 and 9. He said, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in what? In all wisdom. Filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord Unto all pleasing. Now if you're pleasing him. You're doing his will. You're doing what he wants. There are things that please him. And there are things that displease him. Now just because he's displeased with what you're doing. Does not mean he quit loving you. Right? No. He loves you. But that doesn't mean he has to love all your goofy stuff. Or us either. We can love you without loving all your junk. People say, well, if you love me, you just have to accept me the way I am. Uh-uh. Wrong, baby. No. Well, accept me as I am. You should not accept you as you are. You need to grow. You need to change. You need to become like Christ. Your mind needs to be renewed so that you are Transform. Does that sound like staying like you are? No. No. Don't try to shove off on us. You're not changing. <laughs> Look at your neighbor, help him out, say, You need to change. <laughs> and you you look back and say, I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. <laughs> And by his grace, right? I am. I am. I'm changing. As I behold, like in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, I am changed from glory to glory by the Spirit of the living God. Is it good? This is good. This is good. That you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom. And spiritual understanding. Go with me please. Let's see. This is so big. When you start talking about the wisdom of God. The universe is filled. With his wisdom. They'll put this on the screen for us. Deuteronomy 32.29. Just learning some things about. No. You you go to Matthew 7, and then we'll, we'll look at this other. Uh, Matthew 7, 24. Jesus said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a what? A wise man. So here we're going to see 
What's the difference between a wise man and a foolish man? I'll liken him to a wise man which did what? Built his house upon a rock. Keep going. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not. It didn't fall. Now this is portraying a life. A life that didn't fail and fall. It didn't fall because it was founded upon a rock. But whose choice was it to build on the rock? It was the man's choice. And that revealed his wisdom. Keep going. Everyone that hears these sayings of mine. Now this is how both of these start off. They heard what the Lord said to them. And then they had a different response. And doeth them not. People said, well, uh, you know, what does it mean that your house is built on the rock? And a lot of people say, well, it's, it's built on Jesus. And, and that's accurate. That's accurate. But it's not what this passage is talking about. In this passage, built on the rock is doing what he told you. Doing what he told you puts you on the rock. Ignoring what he told you puts you on the sand. Another way of saying it, doing his will. Doing what he told you, well, that's his will. Doing his will, not just talking about it. Not just intending to do it. Not just praying about it. But what? Doing it. Actually doing what he told you to do puts you on a solid foundation to deal with life storms. Ignoring what he told you to do. And for whatever reasons, procrastinating, whatever, failing to do it means you are not safe. You are not, even though you're a believer. You are not secure, you're not safe, and it may not appear for some time because the weather is good. It's not going to show up until the storm hits. Then we'll find out who's a doer and who's just a talker and a note taker, just a meeting goer, and who's actually a... Somebody say, I'm a doer. I'm a doer? I'm a doer of the Word of God. I'm a doer of what He tells me. Oh, friend, this is our whole life outcome is based on this. Whether we do what He tells us or whether we we ignore it. He said, He that uh, everyone that hears those sayings of mine and doesn't do them, does them not. He will be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and it didn't just fall. I mean, it broke into pieces. Great was the fall of it. It was demolished. Why? Because they heard about the will of God. They knew what God wanted them to do. 
But they just never got around to it. For whatever reasons. And it, did, it wasn't obvious. Even for years. One of the big characteristics in that. And you can put up uh, that scripture now. Deuteronomy 32.29. One of the big qualities and characteristics. Identifying characteristics of wisdom. Is that it looks ahead. It looks ahead and perceives the outcome. This is wisdom. And the wisdom of God, (laughs) He is the one who sees the end from the beginning. And so there is no other source of this kind of wisdom. The wisdom of men. That they taught and learned from each other in schools cannot begin to compare with what we're talking about here. The wisdom of God. Here it says uh, the the Lord was uh, not pleased with his people and he was saying, oh, that they were wise. That they understood this and they would consider their latter end. The biggest fool you can be is to not realize I'm going to die in a few days. How many people left here from the 1600s? How many? Numbers real low? 1700s? How many? 1800s? Absolutely not a one. How many of them made it out alive? (laughs) So the Lord tarries his coming in another hundred years, another hundred and fifty years. How many of us will be messing around on planet earth? Not a one. Not a one. And here's the thing. How many, we, we, you know, I bring this up once in a while because we just need the reminder Some 150,000 plus die every day somewhere on planet Earth. How many of them were not old? I mean, a bunch of them. A bunch of them. A lot of 15-year-olds. A lot of 20-year-olds. A lot of 30-year-olds. Right? Yeah. So if they were imagining they had another 50 years to get it together, they were sadly mistaken. When you die, what happens next? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Where are you going? Where are you going? See, with the man that built on the rock, it takes more effort to build on the rock. I mean, you gotta you gotta clean the surface, you gotta smooth things out, you gotta dig down to it or whatever. It's so much easier. The sand's there. It's a dry, sunny day. Roll out your stuff, right? And it looks like you're making progress quicker than the other guy. Because you already finished your house. And he's still working on the foundation of it. <laughs> but you're being foolish. Because there's a storm coming one day. Come on, y'all with me or not? To act like there's never going to be a rain storm? 
is being foolish. To act like the wind's never going to blow. That's being foolish. Like it's impossible that the water could rise. So the wise man said, hey, we got to prepare for the future. Because even though the sun's shining today, storms happen. The wind blows sometimes. So we got to make the extra effort, take the extra time to get this thing on the rock. And what puts you on the rock? Doing. Doing what he told you to do. Every time you hear and understand what he says and you don't just procrastinate and ignore him, you start putting it into practice. You got to overcome the flesh. It can take some work. It can take some effort. You are removing the junk. You are removing the loose soil. You're getting down to the bedrock. Come on, can you see that? And you are built on something that cannot be moved. Your life is actually built on the Word of God as you being a doer of the Word of God. Can you say amen? amen. In Psalm 90, look, look there. Psalm 90, verse 12. Psalm 90, verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days. Why? Keep reading. Why? That we may what? Apply our hearts Unto wisdom. Why would you need to number your days? Listen to the Young's literal translation. Number our days aright. And we bring the heart to wisdom. And that's, a, that's Young's. That's very accurate. The NIV says. Teach us to number our days aright. That we may gain a heart of wisdom. A lot of folks spend time counting calories or money or likes. (laughs) What you ought to be counting is how many days you got left. Reckon how many days you got left down here. If the Lord tarries this comes, the trumpet sounds now, hallelujah. Woo, we're out of here. Forget about the rest of it. But if he tarries his time just a half day longer, that's 500 years. That's too long for us. So the Lord tarries his coming even a half day longer. How many days you got left down here? Do Somebody says, well, I don't like to think about that. I know that's a problem. The Bible told us to do what? Teach us. Teach us to number our days. I don't, I'm not talking about getting an exact count. But we need to have an awareness. You know, Phyllis and I talked about this a while back. We've been in just uh, in May. We'll have, we'll have been in the ministry 40 years. And actually, you could have started counting a little bit before that. But I, I think that's about right. And um, we're not uh, teenagers anymore. We're I'm not old, I don't consider myself to be old, but I'm not right. 20 years old. Right. And man, Branson Church celebrates 20 years in just a few days. Man, it seems like hardly any time since we started that church. This church celebrates 10 years, well actually this, this week, right? 10 years. And uh, 
How long does that seem? Ten. Well, in another 20 years, that's with the Lord sustaining you and tearing you, we'd be in our mid-80s. A 20-year segment is not long. If you think it is, you're thinking wrong. You know, now when you're 15, you think another year until you get your driver's license is a (laughs) century. (laughs) But that's because you're such a baby. You hadn't been at this very long. But as you, as you increase and grow, and especially as, that, that's with the help of the Lord sustaining you. Like we said, how many 40-year-olds die today across the planet? 20-year-olds. With the Lord sustaining us, we need every day when we wake up, we need to say, thank you, Lord, for the day. Thank you, Lord, for some more hours. And what, what's the big deal? Like, like I was saying, Phyllis and I started talking about this. And this phrase kept coming up to me about redeeming the time. And notice that with that is not being a fool, but being wise and understanding what the will of the Lord is. The only way you and I will prevent wasting precious time is to find and do it God's way. That's the only way. That's the only way. And so we prayed and released faith. And we've had our faith on this ever since. We said, Lord, show us and lead us to spend our remaining days the highest and best use of our remaining time and strength and resources. Do you desire that? Pray that prayer out loud. Father God, I hear your word about your wisdom. Your will and redeeming the time. And I ask you, show me, reveal to me, confirm in me, lead and direct me, and guide me to use our remaining days to the highest use, the highest purposes, your purpose. Your use, your will, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, if you mean business with that, he will show you. You can count on him. You can count on him. And what will happen is something will come up and you'll realize, that's a waste of my time. Nobody will know about that or care in a hundred years, much less a thousand. And there's some things you need to do, just natural things, but there's some other things they are absolutely just throw away of a block of your life that you won't get back. Doesn't mean you can't have any fun, I'm not saying that, but you don't want to do things that are void of God or serve no purpose at all. You want to make the the best use. Somebody say the best use. The highest use use. of my remaining days days. and strength and resources. resources. Because why? We're on the clock. Is that right? We are on the clock. It's ticking. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom, that we may apply our heart to wisdom. Go with me, please. To the book of uh, 
Ecclesiastes. Hallelujah. The Lord's helping us, church. I said, He is helping us. He is helping us. Come on, say it out loud. I'm not going to waste my remaining days. Thank you, Lord. We're going we're gonna to do what He said. We're going to redeem the time. And uh, it'll make a difference that we were here, that we lived here. Hallelujah. Because soon, um, I, I know I say it just every once in a while because it, it's so strong in me. I just realized we don't have much time left. We don't have much time left. And I mean, that's even with the Lord giving you another 40 years, 50 years, whatever. I mean, it, that's nothing. That's a blink of an eye in eternity. And you might say, well, you know, I'm glad I'm only 21. Honey, you'll turn around and be 40. Is everybody with me? Why? We've been there. You hadn't been there. I used to be 20. (laughs) And I mean, it seems like yesterday. And these blocks of time are just whizzing by. Notice in Ecclesiastes... And uh, 10, that's right. Ecclesiastes 10, 10. There's a lot of things down here that absolutely don't matter. I'm telling you they are so, well, let me read the scripture instead of trying to describe it. You hold your place there. And in 1 John, the second chapter, 2, what is it, 14 and 15, the Lord said this, 1 John 2, 15, 15 is what it is. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Why? Somebody say, don't love it. Don't love it. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Covetousness is idolatry, which means it's a replacement for God. Phyllis and I were talking about this the other day. Some of the things, you know, giving us this nice bedroom and all this stuff. And, and we've seen uh, on our vision list, we've, we've got like some 40 items the last, I don't know, 10 plus years that are Markoffs on our vision list. Significant things we asked him for that we didn't see how it could happen. And, and it's come to pass. And we talked about the Lord will give you anything if you don't want anything more than you want him. I mean, he'll, he'll give you the most expensive car, house. He'll give you money, clothes, jewelry. He'll give you land. He'll give you all kind of stuff if you don't want it more than you want him. But if you want it more than you want him, he can't add it to you. He's not going to add anything to you that's going to take you away from him. Can you see this? It would be hurting you to help you get it. And, and then you just, you know, there's, there's a number of people, if they had a bunch of money come in, they wouldn't be in church next Sunday. And they'd be doing other stuff and they don't need this anymore. They think. And so the Lord can't add it to you. 
But if you love him more, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The scripture said. But you gotta, you gotta love him more. And he goes on to say, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, what the flesh longs for, the lust of the eyes, what the eyes long for, the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. Doesn't this go in hand with our text? Don't be conformed to the world. What is the world? The world is hungry and lusting. For these things, what the flesh wants to feel, what the eye wants to see, what the flesh wants to possess, the pride of life is show off. Right. Want everybody to be impressed with me. Want to be on the front cover of the magazine. You, you want to have a reputation and, and all of this, and you want to have all the money. Why? So you can show off. So you can roll up in something, and everybody go ooh and. And who will know a hundred years from now or a thousand years? And that's what he goes on to say. He said, and the world passes away and all the longings of it. But he that does the will of God, I am so thankful. I just realized that phrase was in there right now when I read it. (laughs) I didn't plan this. He that does the will of God (laughs) abides forever. The foolish person lives for the moment. He's not looking down the road. The wise person realizes, oh, this is going to be gone. Soon and very soon. Don't get caught up in wasting on this stuff. Don't love it. Don't long for it. Love God. Reach for him. His kingdom lasts forever. What comes next will never end. Hallelujah. So what do we want to be busy about and occupied with in our final remaining days, which we don't have many more left? Let's find the will of God. Let's do the will of God. Let's finish the work so that when we, when it's time for us to breathe our last get out of here like it was with Paul, we can say, I have fought a good fight. Hallelujah. I finished my race. I finished my course. I have fought a good fight and there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. There's a reward I'm going on to my reward. And I will not have been a fool and acted like I was going to live down here forever and just wasted all my time and all my opportunities doing nothing. That mattered not. In uh, Ecclesiastes 10. In closing I think. Thank you Lord for that verse. that, That was an important verse. And I had not planned on that. Ecclesiastes 10 and 10. If the iron be blunt. And he doesn't whet the edge. What happens? You got to put two more strength. Wisdom, <laughs> wisdom's one of those things that um, if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it. You have to want it. You have to look for it, hunger for it, be open to it. Why would he say that? 
if the axe is dull, you got to swing harder. You got to make more chops. Is that right? Chop, chop, chop. <laughs> Listen to the good news translation. If your axe is dull and you don't sharpen it, you'll have to work harder to use it. It's smarter to plan ahead. The new century says a dull axe means harder work. Being wise will make it easier. God's word translation says says it like this. If an axe is blunt and the edge isn't sharpened, then one has to use more strength. But wisdom prepares the way for success. If you're chopping wood, there's other people chopping wood. There's different ways to do it. You can say, hey, there's wood to chop. Grab an axe. Take off. First tree you come to, wham, wham, wham. Realize, whew, that's a dull axe. Wham, wham, wham. Just keep on, keep on. And bark can be flying. Sweat can be flying. And after 20 minutes, it cuts that deep. Trees that big. <laughs> Trees not close to going anywhere. Or, or, a wise person says, Lord, I understand. Today is tree cutting day. It's the will of God. Thank you. I delight to do your will, oh God. We're cutting some trees today. But, goes over and sits down. Reaches over and goes, that handle's not straight. Yeah, that's a good one. That head's on good and tight. All right. Get the file out. Okay. Lord, which tree should we start on today? Pray in tongues for a while. Come on, y'all with me? Yeah, that's pretty good. Flip it on on the other side. Pray in tongues. Sing praises to God. And people that looked at you would think, well, man, look, that guy's been out there chopping for, you know, an hour and a half, and he ain't even got started yet. It ain't over. It's not over. Keep sharpening that axe and praying in tongues and praising God. And then you go, ah, that's my tree right there. I got, I got you. I got you, tree. All right, Lord, and where should I start chopping let me see. I see that. There's a place right down there on the right side. That's where I do it. Okay, okay. And if you spend three hours doing that, and then you leave, and you got your axe razor sharp, and you know the tree, and you know the spot, wisdom is profitable to direct. You lay into it. Boom, 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 boom. Chips are flying. Wedges are flying. Then the Lord says, okay, hit it on that side now. Ah, right, boom, 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 boom. Okay, give it a push. <laughs> and the other guys are going over here. What's he doing? He get a power saw? What? What's he? It's not just who's sweating the most. Who's running the fastest. Who's hollering the loudest? Come on, y'all say, that doesn't mean you're doing the will of God. What is being accomplished? 
And Brother Hagin, you say this all the time, preparation time is never wasted time. Come on, say that loud. Preparation time is never wasted time. Do you need to spend time praying in the Spirit? Before you just jump out of bed and rush into what you're doing, wake up an hour early. Oh, I lost somebody right there. Wait, wake up an hour early and just lay there in the bed and pray. Come on, y'all with me? Just, just lay there in the bed and pray in the Holy Ghost and look and say, Lord, what do I need to do today? Where do I need to go? I, I want to do it your way. Ask for his wisdom. Didn't he say, if you ask for his wisdom and you ask in faith and don't waver, he'll give it to you. Liberally and upbraid not. Ask for his wisdom. Where do I go? Who do I talk to? What do I say? And he will reveal to you his wisdom and his way, which is his plan. Save you so much time, so much money, so much aggravation. And maybe you had, maybe you had thought, I'm going to do it this way, and the Lord will show you. No, don't talk to them. Talk to them. No, don't deal with that. Do it this way. No, don't even deal with that today. Put that off. I'll show you later. The spirit of wisdom indwells us. Is inside us. The word of wisdom. Is in your hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it is profitable. To direct your way. And guide your way. And save you. From so much harm. And damage. As many as are led. By the spirit of God. They are the sons. Of the living. Somebody say I'm a son of God. And I'm led by God. Stand on your feet everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.